This week on the 624, we talk about Komodo dragons and the La Brea tar pits. Let's get started. Welcome to the 624, the weekly podcast of Central Texas Creation Ministries, taking a stand on God's Word and trusting it from the very first verse. Join us as we look at creation and the Bible to understand the world around us. Welcome to the 624. My name is Dave Napier. I am the host of the podcast and founder of Central Texas Creation Ministries and the creator of the Central Texas Creation Conference, which of course, as you know, you can say it with me, is coming up on October 12th. You should get your tickets for it online right now. Not right now. After you listen to the podcast, right after you listen to the podcast, you should get your tickets. But I hope that you had a great weekend. You know I had a good weekend. I always have a good weekend. I got to tell you, I really enjoyed it because I got to see Ken Ham speak. Uh, he was here in Austin at a Holiday Inn. Uh, he he spoke here at the Holiday Inn. It was a luncheon. and uh, He was talking about the ministry and what they do and uh, the new project that they have going on. And I've got to tell you, I was actually very surprised so I consider myself pretty savvy when it comes to creation ministry and what creation ministries do and things like that. But I'll be honest with you, as he was going through all the things that Answers in Genesis does, the books, the DVDs, the translations, the other countries, the um, the school, homeschooling stuff, and, and just everything that they do. Now look, I'm not taking anything away from any other ministry. They all do a whole bunch more than I do. And it's amazing that they do all this stuff. They have to have large staff in order to do these things. But I was just shocked. I did not realize how much Answers in Genesis actually does. Uh, It was a great talk. Very well done. It kind of just yanks at your heart because of these kids are getting indoctrinated and our country is not getting more Christian. I don't know if you know that or not, but they're not getting more Christian. They're getting less Christian by the day. We have got to do something about this. Now, uh, he was talking about one of the projects that they have going on right now. Of course, they've done the ark. They've got, I think they're still working on another, an upper deck on the ark. But one of the big projects they're doing right now is that they're trying to redo their planetarium. And you may think, why in the world are they redoing their planetarium? You may not realize how long this thing has been open. It's been 12 years. That planetarium is 12 years old. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but when you have hundreds of people coming in and sitting down and walking around your planetarium on a daily basis, 12 years is a long time. Not to mention the fact, you think of the technology change. What was high-tech and cutting-edge planetarium software and and projection and everything else 12 years ago is like archaic and dinosaur comparatively to today. And so they're looking to redo the planetarium. They're going to tilt the dome so they can get more seats in there. They're going to bring in all new software, new computers and processing and uh, projectors and things like this. The whole project's going to be around $2 million. They're a little over halfway to it, and uh, they're hoping to start that in November. So actually, I think now I, I may just lie, I may lie here. 
They're either looking to start it in November or finish it. They're looking to finish it by December because I think uh, he mentioned, hey, if you come in December for Christmas, you'll be able to see the new planetarium. So maybe that's what it was, or I was focused on the food while he was talking. Either way, it's something right around there. And so now here's the most exciting part of the entire thing. Look, it's cool to hear Ken Ham speak. Okay, he's got that Australian accent. I don't have a cool accent, okay? I've got an American non-accent accent. If anything, it's Texan, because I was born and raised in Texas. I've never lived outside of Texas. But here's my point. I get to go up and talk to Ken Ham afterwards, okay? You go up there, he's sitting on a stool, you can take a picture with him, and... Uh, so I tell him, I said, look, hey, Ken, I'm so excited, really enjoyed the talk, love your ministry, been following you for a long time, uh, m take a picture with him, and I tell him, look, I've got a, a creation conference coming up, October 12th, I said, I try, I keep trying to get one of your PhDs to come out to the conference, but it's really hard to get you guys to come out there to schedule you and and that sort of thing. There's other factors too, but I won't go into that, but so anyway, I said, look, you know, the funny thing is what I'd really like to do is have you come out here and do a super conference. I want to have you and several PhDs come out here and do a super conference and have you there to speak at it. Now, if you know me for a while or if you've been listening to this podcast, in the beginning, I told you my vision was to have Ken Ham out and to do the super conference. Now, I also said I wanted to have David A.R. White there, and I'd love to have Brian Osborne, who speaks for AIG, because he was the first guy who helped me out with one of my talks. I went to one of his talks in San Marcos, and I was going to be doing a kid's talk on dinosaurs. I went up and asked him in the one of the breaks, and I said, hey, um, and I've probably already told this story. If you've heard it before, Pretend like it's exciting and new for you, okay? Uh, so I went up there and asked him. I said, "Hey, where did you get your graphics for dinosaurs? I'm having, I'm struggling with this." And he goes, "Well, do you have a thumb drive?" He gives me his presentation, not so I can do his presentation, but so that I could pull stuff from it. I mean, this is a guy from another ministry. And now, look, I've never told Brian Osborne this. Well, because I've never spoken to him since then. But I called AIG just to make sure I wasn't going to get in trouble or that he wasn't going to get in trouble. I checked. I called. And they were like, no, go for it. Use it. They said, I mean, put answers in Genesis in there. Tell people you got it from us. But, yeah, use it, whatever you need. And I said, well, I'm just doing the presentation. They said, well, are you going to sell a DVD of it? And I said, well, no, I'm just going to do the presentation for these kids. And they, they said, okay, well, that's fine. Go ahead and put it in there. And if you decide to sell a DVD, just call us back. Let us know. We'll work it out. You know. Okay. It was amazing. Like that was the start of my creation ministry was Answers in Genesis being so gracious and so free with their materials and helping me out, things like this. So anyway, that's that's a sidetrack. I'm already sidetracked, and that's a sidetrack of the sidetrack. So I, I'm there with Ken, and I say, look, I'd really like to get you out here. I said, I've talked to your event coordinator, and this is a true story, and he said you won't come out and speak because I have. I've talked to the event coordinator, and he says, ah, Ken doesn't go out and speak anymore. And I said, but I'm going to have a super conference. No, he doesn't really do that. But I'm going to get five, 600 people there. 
I now at that point I'm just this is my vision. This is I'm dreaming. But you say, well, no, Ken just really doesn't do this. So I'm standing in front of Ken Ham, and I think this is my moment. I'm going for it. And so I tell Ken, look, what would it take for me to get you out here and speak here in Austin, Texas at a super conference? You bring some PhDs and we do this right. And he goes, well, I don't, I don't know. He said, uh, you know, I would be speaking with other people. I said, yeah, we'll bring out PhDs and, and all this stuff. You know, I'm, and I tell him my vision. I want the Creation Coalition. I've told you this before. If you haven't heard this before, I am looking to put together a Creation Coalition of about 12 churches. It can be more, it can be less. But 12 churches that tr- trust the Bible, believe it, uh, believe in six-day creation, and are willing to chip in uh, some money to bring creation teaching to the Austin area. But not just bring it to one church, uh, like well, it's just one church. We're going to show it to our parishioners. I don't think most churches have parishioners. That's probably only the Catholic church. But, you know, we're going to show it to our little congregation. I'm talking about having it at a big auditorium. I mean, it can be a church auditorium, but multiple churches coming, inviting the entire neighborhood, the entire city, uh, advertising on radio, things like this. So I start giving my vision to Kenny. He's like, yeah. I'll do that. That sounds like something we'd, we'd like to do. He said, yeah, if you can put that together, you know, let me know. I'm like, all right. He pulls out his card and he hands me his card and says, look, shoot me an email. Tell me what all you'd want to do, how you'd want to do it, and I'll I'll get it to the right person. We can start talking about it and planning it. I'm thinking, all right, this is awesome. And so now I walk away, uh, you know, giggling like a little schoolgirl. Because I just met Ken Ham, and he just told me that he'll come speak at my super conference in 2021. Uh, And that is my goal. 2021, I want to have the Creation Coalition set up, ready to rock and roll, have our first conference. I'd love to have them every two years. Have a super conference every two years. Maybe every three years. We'll see. But I'd love to have the first one in 2021. Why not in 2020? Well, the cool part is, I haven't told most people this, I was invited back to Scotland. Uh, Some of you know that I went to Scotland and spoke at a conference. Uh, A couple that planted a church there in Stirling, Scotland, invited me out. We did a creation conference, and they've invited me back out to do a youth conference, which, of course, you know is really heavy in my heart. I want to speak to youth. I want to reach out to youth. And so, man... I cannot, I cannot tell you how much I want to do this. Now, of course, I've got to come up with a, a plane ticket there. Uh, they, It's a, a small church plant. Once I get there, they put me up. They feed me. They drive me all over Scotland. They help me sight, you know, take me sightseeing, everything. It is such an amazing uh, trip that I took in 2018, and uh, hopefully I'll take it in 2020. So be praying. I know I haven't even gotten to the creation stuff yet. But this is the exciting stuff that's happening that's going to happen in 2020, 2021. Come on, you got to be excited about this stuff. Um, so be praying that God would get me to Scotland in 2020. Be praying that God would put together this super conference, that he would bring together 12 churches that would be willing to chip in and bring a super conference here. We'll still charge ticket prices. It's not like every church has to chip in $3,000 or anything. Uh, 
the idea is you chip in $500 to $1,000, and that's usually something doable for a church. Uh, even a small church can usually do that. Uh, if they save up, they've got enough time, that sort of thing. They can even have bake sales and all kinds of stuff to do that. So, 2021, we're going to have an Answers in Genesis Super Conference here in Austin, Texas. How awesome would that be? You've got here in Austin, the liberal armpit of Texas. Here in Austin, the home of UT. If we got him here early, he could speak at UT. Uh, it's going to be awesome. So be in prayer for it. If you go to a church that you think would want to be part of that creation coalition, let me know. You can check it out on the check me out on the website. Uh, contact me there. You can always email me at dave at centraltexascreation.com as well. So anyway, we got to get to the creation stuff for heaven's sakes because today we're talking about Komodo dragons and we are talking about the La Brea tar pits. The Komodo dragon is an amazing animal and it's one I never want to meet ever. Okay, this is an animal in Indonesia. I love Indo. I just started checking out Indonesia. I know somebody. I met somebody from over there, and I was checking it out. Absolutely beautiful islands. Didn't even realize Indonesia was islands. Okay, I was born and raised in Texas. Don't judge me. Okay, so Indonesia, beautiful islands, absolutely amazing volcanic activity, uh, like. From a creationist point of view, I would love to go there and check this out. This is amazing. Let me tell you a little bit about the Komodo dragon. Uh, this is from an article from ICR's website, of course, the ministry that's coming to the conference this year. It says, Komodo dragon genomes bites evolution. Why does it say bites evolution? Because the Komodo dragon has a poisonous bite. That's why. All right. This is an animal I don't ever want to meet. It says, the Komodo dragons are the largest lizards in the world and a top predator on the remote Indonesian islands they inhabit. Their sensory system, this is scary, allows them to detect large prey such as deer over seven miles away. Okay, we think that we're pretty cool because we're going to hide from something a few feet away from it. Uh, this can detect you from seven miles away. Okay, it says although Komodo dragons are cold-blooded reptiles, they can rapidly increase their metabolism to near mammalian levels for amazing bursts of speed and even long, strenuous runs. So not only is it poisonous, not only is it scary and big, uh, and can detect you seven miles away, it can run really fast. Okay, and then it goes on to say because of their highly venomous bites. All they need is one good chomp on their victim's leg or foot, and the poison prey will soon be the lizard's lunch. And thus completes my nightmare for tonight. Yeah, the Komodo dragon. Now, what was happening here is that uh, researchers went through and sequenced the Komodo dragon's DNA. They wanted to compare it to other lizards and to birds and mammals and all kinds of stuff. Why? Because they thought it was going to be the same. They thought that they were going to find that there was all these similarities and it was so close. It's just like humans and chimps, right? 98% the same, which we now know was totally false. It was totally bogus. That is totally debunked. So anyway, the Komodo dragon, they sequence the DNA and they find all kinds of stuff that's just crazy. Now, first of all, they wind up throwing down some of the data because it was just so different. The DNA was so different, they just basically threw it out, some of it out. 
And so they started using these magical words, as ICR says. It says, Our analysis showed that in Komodo dragons, many of the genes involved in how cells make and use energy had changed rapidly in ways that increased the lizard's aerobic capacity. Changed rapidly. Why did they use the words changed rapidly? Well, it's because they're realizing that you can't get this kind of change through long millions of years random mutations. And so they're basically trying to give you this concept of, oh, it just changed rapidly. Oh, it was just, it's a punctuated equilibrium, right? That was Stephen Jay Gould's old thing. Uh, he came out and started bad-mouthing evolution, Darwinian evolution, the slow mutations, the slow changes over time. And he started realizing we don't see any of this stuff. We don't see slow mutations. We don't see these uh, long, random uh, periods of time where these mutations build on one another and create these changes. We don't see it. Now, he didn't change to become a creationist. No, he came up with the concept of punctuated equilibrium. What he basically said was, well, no, I mean, they still change based on evolution. It's just, it happens so fast. We just can't see it. That's all. Which makes total sense, right? No. Okay. So the concept here is that the Komodo dragon, what they found out was its DNA was so different, they really couldn't draw that many similarities. The last sentence of the article says this, the bigger evolutionary or phylogenetic analysis the researchers did comparing the Komodo dragon DNA to other reptiles, birds, and mammals also made no evolutionary sense. The patterns and groupings were totally different than predicted by standard evolutionary models. By all accounts, the data showed that Komodo dragons were created uniquely with their own specific God-given engineering. How amazing is that? That God created these amazing beasts. I mean, I don't ever want to touch one. I don't want to snuggle up to it. I don't want to pet it. But I can still be amazed that God created it. not Just like a dinosaur. Uh, you go to ICR's uh, Discovery Center and you see the T-Rex. It is awesome to see that thing. I don't want to meet it in a dark alley or a lighted plane or, or room or whatever. Okay, It is huge and it would be scary. But you can be amazed at the mighty dinosaur, at these huge beasts that God created. And if he is the only one, remember Job says, uh, I think he says about Leviathan, or it may be Behemoth, i, I got to remember that, but uh, he, it says that only God can touch it. Only God can control it. Nobody else can. And if only God can control it, that means he's mightier than the mightiest beast that we see today. Well, except for the dinosaurs that we don't see them today, but we see models, right? So Komodo dragons, let's go from Komodo dragons to the Librea tar pits. I have to talk about the Librea tar pits. I, I was on their website and I was checking it out. You know, it's one of these things that I haven't really thought about that much. I, I've, I've wondered about it, but briefly and never really just committed to thinking through it. The Librea tar pits, are these kind of an evolutionary monument? Is this something that proves evolution or is this something that proves creation? We need to think about this because for most people, it's something that proves evolution. It's something that gives us the concept 
that evolution happened and it was frozen in time in the La Brea tar pits. Now, if you don't know what they are, I honestly have never been there, but basically they're tar pits, they're pits with tar in them, and supposedly the evolutionary story is that the tar pits were created and then animals started getting stuck in them and they started falling into them and things like this. I can't remember. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, if nobody saw this movie, well, then I'm right. Uh, <clears throat> there was a movie, I think it was called The Butterfly Effect. I may be wrong about that. That may be a really bad movie that most Christians watch. I don't know. <laughs> but it was something called something like The Butterfly Effect. And uh, I remember because they would t- they were taking people back in time and taking them on a dinosaur hunt. Well, what you find out is they had figured out the exact time they could be at with this one spot where a dinosaur gets stuck in the tar pits and then they they let their, these people shoot it with ice bullets. It's basically frozen ice that shoots the dinosaur. It dies. Well, it doesn't change anything because it just dies in the tar pits. Well, it was already stuck in the tar pits. It was going to die anyway, so it doesn't change time. Okay, uh, And then somebody steps on a butterfly and all heck breaks loose. So the idea is that these animals... <laughs> I don't know why I told you that story. But anyway, it had to do with the La Brea Tar Pits, I think. And so these animals would fall in. That's the evolutionary story. But does that really hold up? Is that really what we find when we look at the La Brea Tar Pits? Well, not exactly. Number one, you got to figure that most of the oil, coal, and, and diamonds, and all this kind of stuff was created during the flood. Remember, I talk about, well, I don't know, if you've ever been to my talk on It Just Doesn't Take Millions of Years, I talk about how a lot of these things like oil and coal and diamonds and and fossils and stuff, you don't have to have millions of years. All you need is the right environment and the right materials. That's all you need. You don't need millions of years. If you have the right materials and the right environment, some of this stuff takes minutes. Uh, weeks, months, that's it. They just don't take millions of years. And so when we look at this, if we look at it and say, okay, well, this probably, the tar and stuff might have been formed in the latter part, the latter part of the flood or at, just after the after the flood, that sort of thing. Uh, the question is, how do we, what do we look at to decide whether this is really evidence for evolution or this is evidence for creation? Well, there's a couple problems with the evolutionary story of animal, the tar pits being created and then the animals just kind of falling in and being sucked down, uh, floating down into the tar. The first one is that we don't find the animals just kind of neatly stacked on top of one another or kind of leaning up against one another. No, what we find is bones ripped apart, smashed together, and mixed up. It's a fossil graveyard, which I'm going to be talking about when we talk about the global flood on October 12th. It's a fossil graveyard where you have all kinds of different animals. They got mammoths and and uh, I think they have elephants even and saber-toothed tigers and other mammals and all kinds of, of animals all smashed together, all ripped up. Something catastrophic has happened, smashed them together and buried them in sediment. 
Now you say, well, they're in the tar pits. Well, the tar can bubble up into these into these uh, areas, into these pockets where these fossils are. Now, here's the other problem. Not only do you find these bones all smashed up, mixed up in a fossil graveyard, which is indicative of the global flood, you also find that when they drilled uh, cores, they did uh, sediment, sediment cores around the tar pits, guess what? They find that it's flood deposits. It's actually indicative of river deposits. So these were deposits. This, these sediment layers were laid down by water, by rushing water. That's a problem. It doesn't speak to this nice, soft, millions of years uniformitarian stuff that we hear about from evolutionists. It speaks to a global flood, a catastrophic event. Okay, This is a year-long um, catastrophic event that would have changed the face of the earth forever. And this is one of the things that it could have done. And so there's more to the article than just that. But that's the concept that I want you to understand. Even the La Brea tar pits that evolutionists would tell you are absolute evidence of evolution. It's like freezing evolution in time in the tar pits. We pull, pull up those bones and we can see everything that was there. But the truth is, when we look at how the animals are deposited, you think about it. If everything was smashed together... Uh, and we'll talk about this in the conference, there were mega sequences within the flood. So in other words, there could have been times where the water drained off a little bit and then came back. And so as you have planation, in other words, water's running across land, it's actually kind of like taking sandpaper in a sense uh, or a, a knife and just cutting the top off of the ground, just cutting it clean. That's what they call planation. That's the layman's term. I'm sure there's a better scientific uh, definition of that. But it could have moved all these deposits. It could have moved the bones and everything, put them into the pit. All kinds of stuff could have happened. So you would have had this catastrophic event that is a better explanation for how the animals are found. And it's a better explanation for the sedimentary layers that are found around the, the tar pits. The global flood is a better explanation than evolution. But again, most people don't know that. For most people, oh, heck, most people haven't even been to the La Brea Tar Pits. I haven't, right? Uh, and so most people don't know this stuff. They don't know how the animals are found. They don't know uh, the sediment layers around the tar pits. And so most people don't know about it. But even scientists who do know reject that explanation. Why? Because God will not be the answer. And if you have a global flood, you've got to look to the Bible. And if you've got to look to the Bible, you've got to look to a God. A God of all creation. And that's just not going to happen. Well, these two articles that I just went through are actually articles you can find on ICR's website. They're awesome uh, articles. Excuse me. They have an awesome article database that has thousands and thousands of articles. If you are going through your day and you think, oh man, so-and-so mentioned this and I don't know about it, you can go to that search bar and find what you need to know. And most likelihood, when you search there, you're going to find one or two articles about what you're looking for. 
It is a great resource. And of course, then they've got their store and they do all kinds of resources so you can learn more and you can study. And one of the things that ICR does, there's two things. Of course, every ministry has something about it. Uh, they have their niche, okay? ICR, one of the things about them, or the two things I would say about them, is number one, they don't do it unless they know they can do it well. That's why I, I trusted that that Discovery Center was going to be good. Uh, because if they don't know that they can do it well, they just don't do it, from what I can tell. Uh, the other thing about them is that they tend to do DVD sets. Now, I'm not talking about like conference packs where you have five DVDs on five different subjects and they you know shrink wrap them together. I'm talking about good, long uh, visual teachings that are multiple DVDs. And you can break them up because it's multiple DVDs. You can watch them one at a time or something like that. But it's these DVD sets that really give you a good, full understanding of the topic, a full understanding of the subject. Those are the two things that ICR really does well. And so I want to encourage you to check out their website, check out the database of articles that they have, and then check out the resources that they have so that you can learn more. And of course, now that the podcast is over, you should definitely go to my website and get a ticket for the conference on October 12th. You can go to centraltexascreation.com. That's www.centraltexascreation.com. Click on the conference and click on purchase tickets. If you're an adult, it's $15. If you have any kids, any student, if you're in college or elementary school or whatever, if you're a student, I want you to come absolutely free. I want you to come eat my food and hear this information because you are the ones that are getting indoctrinated or they're trying to indoctrinate you. You're getting all the propaganda. You're getting all the story and the spin, the spin doctrine. And so I want you to have the truth. I want you to have a confidence in the Bible. I want you to have a deepened faith because you know there's good answers out there to the questions that people are asking. And so please go to the website, check out uh, centraltexascreation.com, get your tickets now. If you're a student or if you have a student, go ahead and click on the student ticket. Uh, it'll just sign them up for a ticket so that we know they're coming uh, so we can plan for food and all that good stuff. Just snacks. Lunch isn't provided, but snacks. And I hear teenagers eat a lot. So uh, so be sure and sign them up so that we know that they're coming. But go online, get your tickets now. Until then, though, I pray that God blesses you with the knowledge to know Him and the courage to share Him. Thank you for listening to The 624, the weekly podcast of Central Texas Creation Ministries. Join us again next time as we look at creation and the Bible to understand the world around us. To learn more, visit our website at www.centraltexascreation.com.